Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Okay, I am about to make a bold statement. There is not a lack of information about what makes relationships healthy. There is a lack of interest in, a, in acquiring and applying that information. We seek out knowledge to learn and advance our careers. We aren't afraid to research how to raise healthy, well-adjusted children. But learning about how to be good partners? Crickets! More time is spent investigating the best car to buy or planning for the ultimate vacation than creating a happy, loving marriage that lasts. The divorce rate has stabilized. Maybe it's even come down a bit. But in the truth is, there are also fewer people getting married because they just don't see it as a realistic option. Now, mind you, they're still pairing off. They're just not getting married. So who's responsible for making a relationship work? Are men the problem? Are women? Well, that's what I'm going to be talking about with my guest, relationship coach and author, Matthew Frey. So Matt, thanks for coming back on the show. And I know we're going to have a lovely, wonderful conversation today about this. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Leslie. Um, thanks for having me back. It's uh, a pleasure every time. <laughs> So, yeah, I love talking to you. Uh, so, now, the piece that we're going to be talking about is one that you told me that you wrote several years ago, and you'd write it differently today, and that's great. But it, it appeared on the Good Men Project, and it's titled, Why Men Fall Short in Marriage and How to Help Them. So, before we get into that conversation about men, you started the article um, with a take on divorce. And I'm wondering if you would touch on that and why you began your article with that focus. Leslie, I'm, <laughs> this, is, this is the most embarrassing answer possible. Do you, if I'm, if I'm remembering right, this was, I have this very strong belief that the average person that has not gone through divorce mm -hmm. fails to understand because how can they know? The, right level of stress and life disruption and pain that divorce can entail. Right. Is that right? This, so, right. And, and even in my book, like, I try to make the case, like, pretty early that divorce is this, this big social crisis, this epidemic. And it's because I think people don't know. I just think so many people grow up seeing people coupled up, whether they're in long-term partnerships or, or, mm -hmm. or marriage, legally mm -hmm. or spiritually or right. whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the idea as we're children and as we're growing up is I'm going to get married someday. That's what I see mm -hmm. in my personal life. That's what I see on TV. It's just part of getting older and maturing. Mm -hmm. And so everybody goes in with that mindset and, and they think that there's so much naivety around like what, what actually ends marriage is I think so many people, at least people who grew up uh, air quotes like me just <laughs> believe so long as you're not bad, so long as you're not hitting and screaming right. and committing crimes and, and, and infidelity, as long as you're avoiding these things that I've come to call like major marriage crimes, that it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Like, why would it be any different in year 10 or year 20 than it would be like right in the first six months? Like, everything's <laughs> going to be okay if we, 
right? If we, if we love each other and we get along, right. like everything's going to mm-hmm. be fine. I really believe things like that. Right. And I think a lot of people do. And then they sort of learn the hard way in like year four, year seven, year 12, that, that despite their best philosophical intentions, everything feels a lot harder and a lot worse than it did before. So anyway, I mean, that's always, always something that I really want to impress upon people is that divorce is definitely something or, or just the end of a very important relationship is I think something we can all universally agree we'd like to avoid. And if well, we can all like start there, let's avoid a bad thing. Then I think you paved the way for the conversation around, okay, how do we avoid the bad thing? Right. I mean, and that's sort of what I was talking about at the beginning where there is a crap load of information. You've written a book. I've written two. There are a bunch of other people who've written lots of books about relationships and what makes it work. John Gottman has made a career out of studying relationships. We know what works. But it's like you're talking about people fall in love, they go by the Beatles, all you need is love, and it's like, you know, and, they, and they, don't, they don't understand that there's actually information out there. And the thing that I really wanted um, to, you to talk about, you did a little bit, but you did this in the article, about the, how painful divorce actually is I mean people talk you know I mean people throw around the d word like nothing you know it's like and and they you know they don't understand because it impacts the two people directly in the relationship children friends family it's a ripple effect and everybody thinks oh it's no problem you know it's no big deal we'll just conscious consciously uncouple and everybody you know will go on vacations together like Bruce Willis and Demi Moore it's like that's not most people's reality (laughs) no no I actually have a fabulous relationship with my ex and it still has been pretty painful over the past 10 years yeah yeah and you know and, and and I mean and and I'm not saying that, you know, I've said this before, I don't think that all marriages should be saved, but I think many of them can be if people knew how, you know, that that, that first six months is kind of la-la land, you know, everybody's in this, in this happy bubble, and then, you know, they wake up one day and go, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. things maybe aren't great. I mean, and like you said, maybe they're not terrible, you know, we're all just kind of going along day-to-day kind of thing. But, you know, I've called that the death of a thousand cuts, you know, is that, yeah. is, you know, is that we just don't do these things. And, and then we get caught up in, um, you know, who's supposed to fix it? Because it, you know, when, when we're part of a partnership, we've got a built-in scapegoat. If my partner would just stop doing this or start doing this other thing, everything would be fine. And guess what? My partner's saying the same thing about me. Well, that's exactly right. I think if we're going to make like a really quick and broad generalization, in, in my experience, in male-female relationships specifically, mm-hmm. um, the typical, I don't want to say average, but like the mm-hmm. typical like female partner that I would encounter would, would have some sort of complaints or uh, report pain, mm-hmm. frustration, anger, sadness, anxiety, stress around the things that I have now made my career. Mm-hmm. What I call the subtle, the, you know, the subtle, nuanced, little, and it's probably, by the way, it's probably true of you and everybody right. in the business of like working with couples. 
these are these are largely invisible, I think, to the young people we were talking about. Mm-hmm. The young, all you need is love people. They, they don't know that a conversation about laundry or a conversation <laughs> around dishes or a conversation around why did you buy that for $40 might be something that legitimately contributes to the end of a marriage. Right. And like people, they do not have that on their radar. And I find that to be a really tragic example. But anyway, all those fall into the bucket of things that I think a typical female partner might say about mm-hmm. her, her relationship partner, spouse, or, or, or long-term boyfriend. And I think he would say the number one problem is that she's always finding something new to complain about. She's right. always like moving the bar a little higher. It's like she mm-hmm. complains about something and makes some adjustment, and then there's some new problem. Right. Um, and it's because he doesn't recognize that it's the same problem in a different application. Right. So, so but, anyway. But, but in the article – now, and I know your thoughts have evolved around this, and thank goodness we all, as we get older, we all actually have the ability to you know, take in new information and adjust ourselves. But you took a pretty bold stance that men have a lot of power in fighting for their marriages, but they may not have the most responsibility. And you probably just heard a huge outcry from my female listeners. So can you explain what it is you believe husbands should be doing in terms of improving or keeping their marriages healthy and happy. Yeah, you know, obviously that was a a, a semantics conversation um, (laughs) that I was having back when I wrote that. But my my argument, I'm happy to to share my thoughts on on both sides of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I I don't love the whole male-female stereotype anymore. I was, um, but I thought it was a very useful framing back when I was first learning about various things that ail relationships as I was evolving into somebody who went from very little emotional intelligence to somebody who at least some people think has a decent <laughs> amount of it today. Right. Um, and, and, you know, thought leadership on the subject, it's, it's a remarkable turnaround in the last decade. But, but it really begun with the whole sort of man versus woman, Mars, Venus, boys, girls okay. thing, because, because it, it frames it in a way where it's like, okay, this person doesn't experience this situation in the way that I do, and I need to learn how to understand how they're different than me. Uh-huh. And the, the great, that's how I can learn to empathize and relate and respect other people's diverse experiences. Um, men, I made the claim, have the most power to help or fix or save or whatever relationships because if we're going to really make some like, bold stereotype statements, I think men's behavior results in the most pain in, in, in mathematical mm-hmm. terms. If you were to take every single marriage, let's just say in the United States, between men and women and, and line them all up in front of us, and there were little pie charts above each couple that, re- that said, okay, this behavior hurts the other person, and we could all visualize it, I uh-huh. think the male version of the pie chart would result in more pain for the partner than the other way around. Okay. And I've believed that since the day I started writing. Okay. So when I talk about men having the most power, I'm like, you have the most room for growth is okay. my general belief. But again, that's, that's really dismissive of all the, the people out there that, where that's not true at all. Right. But it is, but it is a lot of men who've done the work. Well, and, I mean, and that's the thing. And, you know, I mean, and, and so sometimes I don't want to say women have been given a pass, um, because it is one of those things where we can, you know, and again, we're talking 
generic, not each specific man and woman, but but you know because yeah. there's all this idea that that men, uh, sorry, that women are better at relationships, and I. I think they may be more in touch with their own emotions and what they want. And I was, it was interesting. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were basically saying that you know men are much more willing to put up with lesser relationships than than women are. Women want more, and 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 in some respects, that's kind of the challenge: is how do we communicate that? in a way that can be heard, not just necessarily like you were saying as, okay, great, she makes a complaint, the guy does, you know, does some work around it, and then it's like, okay, now I, I talk about the goalposts moving, right? <laughs> you know, that every time he gets to a point, she wants more, which on some level, in other aspects of our life, that's where we are. You know, we want the next promotion, or we want the nicer car, or we want—I don't know what you know—and and we want more. But somehow, in our relationships, we seem to be okay with less. What is that about? No, that's it's really interesting. Yeah, the concept of if we're not growing, we're dying, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I agree. That's such an interesting observation that I've never thought quite about the way that you just. You just talked about it, um, and I think it's super interesting, yes. And, most, and I'd say that's particularly true with men. Like, if we're going to, again, make broad generalizations, mm-hmm. men are always trying to get better at, at work, at their hobbies, at making more money, at getting stronger, whatever. Um, wh- whatever it may be. Um, there's, there's, there's so many demonstrations of men, if we're stereotyping, um, mm-hmm. demonstrating a desire to improve, to, to advance, to get better, to, to be competitive in, in tons of, of life arenas. And, and I've made this observation before and, and written about it. It doesn't seem that men are very competitive about this concept of being great at relationships. Mm-hmm. It's like this is an area of our lives where it's like I want to stabilize it. I want to find a partner who compliments me, who, who, who I can have, like I can anchor my life to and with, and then I go, like, do all these other things, but I always get to come, like, reset at the oasis of home with my partner. And then it feels like, okay, <laughs> the conditions of you having a peaceful existence here at home, those change as, as I think the cynical man would say, as she becomes dissatisfied with various aspects of your life. I, I am more inclined to speak about it compassionately, much more inclined. I, right. I, I would say... I would say things he does, not intentionally, mm-hmm. result on the other side of the equal sign. He does a thing, on the other side of the equal sign, she hurts. It, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it causes anger or fear or stress or anxiety or sadness or something. Something mm-hmm. that as it accumulates over time equals pain. And I think it's reasonable for hurt people to request change to, <laughs> so that they don't hurt anymore. Right, and and that I, I believe is more often the framework of, of of women asking for more in a relationship. I just don't I don't think it's received that way by their male partners very often. 
Yes, and I'm going to say that the presentation of that makes a huge difference. But I want my listeners to know that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking about the responsibility both men and women have in the effort to protect their marriages with author and relationship coach Matthew, Matthew Frey. And I've long said that marriage comes with a built-in scapegoat. You heard me say that earlier. And it's very easy to just look at the other person and blame them. It's like they're the, causing all the problems in your relationship. And it's much harder to look at how you might be contributing. And the truth is, that's where your power lies, in changing what you're doing. And if you're interested in stepping up and becoming the hero in your marriage, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and give me a call or shoot me an email to schedule your free, no-obligation, five-star relationship discovery call. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463, that's 919-924-0463, or shoot me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com, that's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. And now I want to get back to this conversation with Matt about keeping our marriages healthy and happy. So in the article, Matt, you say that women are better at performing the functions of marriage than men and that those with the most power to do things have the most responsibility to do it. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, again, I'd like to mention that that's a stereotype, and I don't believe it to be universally true. Correct. I think it's, it's a math thing, I think, right? I think if you right. line up all the women, they exhibit higher relational skill than, than, than the typical man, mm-hmm. uh, at least here in the States. And I mean, I, honestly, I'm, I'm not a sociologist, but I've, I've just come to believe it's a function of how the common young woman is raised versus how the common young man is raised. I, I suspect it's changing. You know, I suspect 30, 40 years from now, aspects of this are going to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm 44, I'll, you know, I'm about halfway to 45. I was born in 1979, and I think people within 10 years of me either direction, you know, had this experience, and certainly everybody older, um, you know, way back. It was just, uh, I don't know. I mean, let's call it patriarchal. Um, uh-huh. I, I think, so, I mean, I want to be clear about that. Yes, I have a general belief that people with the people that are, I mean, what is it? People with the most, did you say people with the most power to do something? The old Spider-Man yeah. quote. Right. Have, have the responsibility to, again, semantics uh-huh. versus like the, the quote of men having the most power. Um, right. It, because I'm coming at it totally different. Um, it, when I wrote this, I was still very much in my feelings about my wife ending our marriage. Mm-hmm. And I was very much in my feelings around, I, I, I don't get to judge. I don't get to decide whether people want to be married or not. Right. But I think if marriage is a goal, if, if somebody is truly like, you know what, I want to be married in a committed, monogamous, forever relationship, I believe these conditions you and I are sort of generically talking about emerge in mm-hmm. every relationship when there are not two partners who have done an enormous amount of emotional work, right? It's like just a yeah. ton. If they haven't done that proactive work, these dynamics are going to show up again. Uh-huh. And, and so I ask, what is the value of continuing to like – trade partners and then expect a different result. So I'm not saying trading a partner isn't an upgrade sometimes. It may very well be. 
But mm-hmm. I think by and large, if your mission is marriage, that fighting for it is useful and, 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 and marriage involves making choices that are inconvenient and don't feel good. Um, I do think two people who are exceptional at the emotional work can eliminate an enormous amount of that pain and inconvenience for the other partner. And it can feel pretty content overall. Um, but, but you have to get there first. And I think women who are highly skilled at, 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 at relationships might do better at executing the art of, I don't know, helping their relationship partner do it. Okay. I, let, me, let me say it this way. I think most of the time, when a female partner expresses to her male partner, again, this is stereotyping, on average, right. mm-hmm. some, some dissatisfaction right. that it is received as um, criticism, as judgment, that inside of the man's head, he's hearing, she's saying, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And he feels both shame about it and resentment about it. And I don't think that's the gateway. I don't think eliciting that feeling within <laughs> your partner is the pathway to beautifully intimate, connected relationships is really right. the only point I'm trying to make. Well, it is, but I also it is, understand that woman has been hurt usually over and over again. Right. If I'm stereotyping. Well, I mean, and you know, I mean, and, and this is, you know, this has been my position for, you know, quite a while and, you know, that nobody has to take a relationship one-on-one class and everybody should. I think we're all, we all have room for improvement. Even even people whose whose relationships are are doing fairly well, um, you know, we sort of still have to keep or be willing to to learn and grow because because life happens, you know, and and you know people stick their relationships on the back burner, thinking, oh, they're okay. And, you know, now I'm going to go focus on this thing, whether it's my job or whether it's the kids or, you know, whatever it, whatever it is. And, you know, and we can do that for a while. Obviously, there are times in our lives when we have to focus more strenuously on one area than another, but we can't completely ignore it and, because that's where the hurts come in. That's where um, that disconnection that you're talking about comes in. And you said something that's so incredibly important that I, I need to make sure that people understand this. And you talked about men feeling shame. And I don't think any of us, I mean, you know, none of us like to be shamed. And, but that's kind of what happens when we're told we're not good enough. And, you know, but if we're not giving people the skills to be better and then holding them accountable for the fact that you're not getting better at this, that seems to be a recipe for disaster. And I think that's kind of some of the points I was making. I was, I was resenting uh, back when I wrote this. I, I make these comments like uh, my ex-wife had grown up around a lot of what I would call like manly men, you know, mm-hmm. like hunters and mechanics and, you know, guys, I, I, you know, the manliest stuff I did was all in athletics, was like right. playing football and things like that. But I, I can't fix a car. I was like, my point is I can't fix a car. I can write a book. I can't do X, Y, and Z. I can, you know, cook a five-course meal. Like, those mm-hmm. were where my skills lied, um, laid, lied. And <laughs> I, 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 I was, again, when I was caught up in my feelings here, I was thinking and feeling like, and this honestly might not be true. This might just be me projecting. 
um, you know, insecurity that, that my ex-wife deemed me lacking, not good enough, because, because I, I didn't exhibit some of these qualities that she admired uh, in her father and her uncles and in, in her older brother, things like that. And, um, and, and I, I don't know. I, I, do, I do think, and I've had a lot of clients mm-hmm. where they say this about their wives, where it's like they feel like their wives attack some aspect of who they are. Right. Um, I'm all for criticizing or, or, or being upset about behavior yes. that, that results in, in you being harmed. But mm-hmm. to attack a character, uh, an, an aspect of, of somebody's like personality, of, of, some, of like someone's identity, mm-hmm. and, then, and then paint that as some negative, the amount, of, the amount of alleviating oneself of personal responsibility one has to do in order to do that, and act like it's like their fault you chose them to be married to. <laughs> you know, don't marry me. Right. Don't marry me. And then complain about parts of me that have been with me since I was four or five years old. Like, please don't well, do that. Right. I mean, I mean and, you, and you hit on something that is so in, incredibly critical is that, you know, and by the way, thank goodness we are all different human beings because if everybody was like me, we'd have no computers. Nobody would ever want to drive on a bridge that I designed. I, that's not where my capabilities are. I, I don't do that. Um, and, you know, I do other things. I have strengths in other areas. And, and you know, to be, to be told, well, you know, you, you need to change who you are. Now, I'm with you. I think requests for change of behavior are perfectly legitimate. But requests for changing who you are as a human being, one, I find to be completely disrespectful. <laughs> and two, it's not even possible. Um, I mean, I had a client not terribly long ago who wanted, you know, who was into these big romantic gestures, except her husband was never like that. But, but then he was like being, being berated for not, you know, and, and whenever he would make an attempt, you know, it would fall short because she had these expectations. Yeah. And, she, and, and to her credit, she, she said to me one day, she asked me if I was being, if she was being unrealistic. And I said, well, flip it. If he told you to stop wanting that, how would you respond? And I watched the light bulb go on over her head. It's like, oh. <laughs> I mean, now you can talk about all these kinds of things about what would romance look like and all these other things, but he still has to, he still had to do it with his flavor because there's no mind reading. He couldn't get inside of her head to know, oh, these are the exact things that she wants. And I think that's where a lot of um, people get stuck and it leads into the last thing that I wanted to talk about was that, you know, you suggest that men could really use their wife's help in this process of um, being better partners and, and making, the, making the relationship better. So what would this actually look like? Because I know a lot of women are, they, get, they, get, they feel like they have, you know, that they have to basically lead their partners. And, and I understand that there could be some that could be frustrating and tiresome, and Very. it's like, why do I have to do this? So what yes, would this actually I, I look like in practice? Yeah, I, well, here's, here's sort of the best I can come up with, and, and I understand that feeling you're talking about, and I am truly 
sympathetic like to it. I, I, mm-hmm. I absolutely support my ex-wife's decision to end our marriage today, where ironically, back when I wrote this article, I may have still like resented the hell out of it. Right. Um, yeah, which is, it's really funny to me to like think about it that way. I, 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 today, I think I've pieced together the story of how she hurt so much because of things I did and didn't do, said and didn't say, where I, I'm now able to imagine the level of pain where it, it totally justifies her decision to go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard thousands of stories, right, from strangers. So I'm, I, I just want to make that clear. I understand why somebody who feels like they've carried the emotional load of the relationship from day one, how much they would resent the idea that they have to do more in okay. order to just feel like a baseline level of like safety and trust within their relationship. I'm uh-huh. sure that that is, a a poisonous or bitter sort of thing to swallow. Um, But, but the thing that I think a lot of people are missing and, uh, and I've had uh, disagreements with people on the internet about this as recently as 48 hours ago, (laughs) I I come from a school of thought where intention matters. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of people that say intention doesn't matter. If on the other side of the equal sign, I'm experiencing neglect and abuse and betrayal I don't think intention matters at all. And, and, and here we're getting into semantics. I totally agree. Like it, a person must remove themselves from damaging, toxic, painful situations. But I'm saying when you calculate for like the other human being and their potential within a relationship, doesn't their naivety or innocence or, or lack of understanding demonstrate a positive versus somebody who's a sociopathic narcissist who's like out to get you? Um, <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that a better choice? I feel like it is. And, but I understand it doesn't necessarily feel any different when you're married to somebody who hurts you on purpose versus somebody who hurts you by accident. The pain level may be the exact same. Um, but but I, I don't know. I don't know how to think cynically like that. I, well, if you're married and you loved him and you think he's a good person, I think that, that the marriage is owed uh, um, some level of investment. And the best way I know how to help from that side of the aisle is can you communicate that things he's doing or not doing are hurting you while not triggering defensiveness within him, where it's not you did this to me, you're a bad person, mm-hmm. where it's like, like the way we would talk to our kid when we realized they didn't know better. And right. I know that that must be insanely frustrating to an adult but but we can't know what we don't know and a lot of men do not know that these subtle nuanced things in relationships result in literal pain for another person it doesn't make any sense to us that that's true well i mean and and you're and you're bringing up something that is so critically important and and i'm right there with you that intent matters now if i have if i have said to you repeatedly like 20 times that that this behavior is hurtful and you keep doing it, okay, now, now we're, we're moving past intent. But if, you know, the first time I say something to you and you go, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, let me fix that. Because we can only do what we know. And, and like I said, the information is out there. People don't necessarily think they need it. Um, 
about how to be better partners and how to have better communication and how to ask for what you want in a way that doesn't trigger somebody's defensiveness. Um, but, you know, the idea that it's quite possible that the person had no idea that what they were doing was hurtful. And so can I, can I give them, can I give them grace? Can I give them the opportunity to learn to do it differently? And, and I think that's where you and I both come in as, with our clients is, is that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help you do this better. Because, um, you know, I'm sorry, LeBron James, Steph Curry, these guys are all out there working every single day, and they're the best in the world. But they want to be better. And they've got somebody they looking, looking at them going, hey, do this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And and that's I think yeah. where you you and I come at it. I yeah absolutely and I mean and to that end I I know that there might be people listening to this saying it doesn't make any sense given how much this hurts me and given how many times I've tried to say it that that he doesn't know that this hurts me but I'm I'm begging people to at least consider the possibility and I I resort to to food allergy analogies very often in my work to try to express this point and that my, my recent favorite is I'm having a party. I invite 10 of my friends over and I'm going to put peanuts out in bowls as like bar snacks for this uh -huh. gathering that we're having. And nine out of 10 of us think peanuts are delicious and we're so happy, but it turns out one of us, it's, it's literal poison. If they mm -hmm. ingest a peanut, they'll get very sick and or potentially die. But me as the party host, I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And so how I respond to learning that information to me is the difference between whether I can be trusted to protect him or her moving forward. If I say, well, look around. I don't see anybody else complaining. <laughs> you know, everybody else seems to think they're delicious snacks. What's your problem? Right. Which is more or less how I must have sounded to my ex-wife when, when I used to act like she was out of line for feeling mm -hmm. the way she felt. Um, I don't think I'm going to have a very good friendship with that person moving forward, especially if he or she comes over and I have peanuts out a second time, right. like the next gathering. But right. what if I say, oh, my God, I had no idea. I realize everybody's hands and so many surfaces are now poisonous to you in this room. I will never let something like this happen again. Right. Um, you know, thanks for letting me know. I tell right. my clients that all the time. I want you to get to a place where you're thanking your spouse or your partner for letting you know that something's wrong for them, like instead of getting defensive and getting upset, like be grateful that you just got a data point that you mm -hmm. can use to be more mindfully considerate of how they experience the world moving forward. And man, when we do that repeatedly, we are deemed trustworthy and our yeah. actions feel like care and like love and like respect. And, and so many men out there, fail to miss that idea because they're so frustrated that she's feeling that way in the first place because she doesn't think it makes sense for her to. But well, if he can just treat it like a peanut allergy, <laughs> man, things will get a lot better a lot faster. I, I, love, I, love that, and I love that analogy. And, you know, I, and I, before we wrap up, I do want to say that a lot of times um, men don't know what to do with those. They don't want their wives to, to be unhappy or feel bad. Um, and so they feel like failures when their wife comes and says, this isn't, this isn't going right. I'm hurt by this. Um, and again, how we present that is, is critically important. Not, 
not you hurt me, but this hurts me. Because that, that gives a little bit of space for people to be able to hear it. Um, I'm, I'm all for eliminating the word you in, in relationship conversations unless it's I love you, you're wonderful, I'm glad you're in my life, then please use you to your heart's content. But you did this, or you always, or you never, or why did you? It's like, okay, now we've just shot the, you know, that's a shot across the bow and we're off to to fighting. So Matt, can can you tell people where um, they can get your book, where they can learn more about you know how to have better relationships from your perspective? Well, well, thank you. Um, sure, my home on the internet is Matthew Frey. That uh, Matthew with two T's and Frey F R A Y dot com, and um, from there you'll get prompted to visit my my newest writing home on the web. I don't know how many of you have heard of Substack. But MatthewFray.substack.com is my new up-to-date, you know, approximately weekly writings. Um, and then uh, I wrote a book called This Is How Your Marriage Ends, A Hopeful Approach to Saving Relationships. And it's, it's actually pretty easy to find wherever books are sold. And by the way, guys, it's a great book, so please go get it. Uh, and what I want to say is that to be good at anything, you need to understand the rules. And yes, there are rules for relationships. Some people are born with natural gifts like learning languages or hitting a baseball, but all of us can get better at these things with knowledge and practice. And the question I have, is your marriage worth a bit of effort to make it better? And I hope the answer is yes, and I hope one of the things that you do to make it better is to continue to listen to this show. And until next week, stay loving. <laughs>